0: from Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. Listen now for the word of God. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. It's dawn on a cool morning in the tiny home outside of Nazareth. The boy wakes up, looks for his mother. He sees that she's not in the house. At about the same time, he hears a commotion outside. The hen is racing around the yard, charging toward her chicks frantically as if to scoop them up. After a bit of time squawking and running around, the chicks are finally nestled safe under her motherly wings. All except one. There is concern in Mary's eye as she places an arm around Jesus and draws him close. The young boy taking it all in. I wonder if that or a similar memory is what prompts Jesus' response to the Pharisees when they come warning him of Herod's murderous intent. Foxes, then and now, were known to get into the hen house by stealth and snatch away the little chicks and sometimes the hen herself. The occupants of those hen houses were among the most defenseless and therefore vulnerable creatures around. That was true in the first century and it's true in the 21st century. Jesus is not in Jerusalem when the Pharisees come warning him to stop what he's doing and lay low. He's in Galilee. He's, he's making his way toward Jerusalem but he's still in Galilee, which is Herod's territory. Jesus knows what Herod can do. He beheaded John the Baptist, after all. His father had slaughtered all the infants, two years old and younger, in a futile effort to catch the baby Jesus. As James Howell reminds us, a lot of people don't realize there are six different Herods in the Bible six of them, and he says they're all pretty much the same guy, a petty tyrant with a touch of megalomania, paranoid, callous, in cahoots with the Romans, religious but in a conniving kind of way, rich and often cruel. Jesus has every reason to feel terror, and maybe he does. But he doesn't back down in the face of this threat. He stands in that vulnerable place. He straightens his back. He tells those Pharisees, You go for me and tell that fox. I like that. He names it for what it is. He calls Herod what he is. He voices out loud the insidiousness, the danger of a leader who does not intend good for the leader's people. Go tell that fox for me. As we walk in the way of Christ during Lent, surely we are also called to engage in the name of Christ in such bold truth telling I appreciate that phrase that we say often at the font for the time of confession, and we heard it said this morning. Let us tell the truth, the truth about ourselves and about this world in which we live. When a white supremacist kills 50 worshipers in a mosque in Christchurch, New Zealand, We must tell the truth about that and go tell that fox and all those who subscribe to hate and violence that we are about the liberating, healing work of Christ just as we did after the synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh, just as we did after the shootings in Charleston, South Carolina and Sutherland Springs, Texas and right here in Nashville. And the list could go on and on and on. Go tell that fox. When dictators deprive their people of emergency food and medical supplies, preferring to see his own people starve and succumb to sickness uh, rather than yield some of his power, then we must go tell that fox down in Venezuela That tomorrow and the next day and the next we are doing the work of Christ regardless of what he does to feed the hungry, to heal the sick, tell the truth. And yes, when we see hints of that fox within ourselves, when we are more interested in power than in love, when we prefer to hear or tell lies rather than abide in the truth, when we get caught in our own bubble and demean and degrade those who seem other than us, who seem different, then we must go tell that fox within to return to the font, to hear the invitation to the truth, to bow down and confess, and to rise up renewed and ready to walk the path of Christ. Jesus proclaims that he is going to continue his work. He's going to continue his plan. He's going to continue to do all the things that Herod fears the most. He's going to move about the people that the fox Herod neglects and devours. And he's going to heal them and restore them and bring wholeness to them rather than the evil of Herod. This is the difference between the kingdom of Herod and the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of Herod, if you feel vulnerable or fearful, you lash out. You eliminate the source of the fear. You behead. You issue threats. In the kingdom of God, if you feel vulnerable and fearful, you allow yourself to feel it. And then you put one foot in front of the next. And you continue the program. You risk love. You risk healing. You confront evil with good. The fox is still on the prowl. And we are called to go tell that fox, wherever the fox threatens, that we will not cease being the church of Jesus Christ. That we will continue to love and to serve and to heal and to reconcile. We will rebuild in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We will walk alongside the endangered on the border. We will seek peace in our personal relationships. We will continuously learn in community what it means to follow. We will worship God together. We will not give in to hate. We will reach out across the old divisions. We will be the herald of a new day. It's easy for us to live timid lives, to value safety over courage, to avoid evil rather than pursue good. But as we walk with Jesus to Jerusalem this Lent, he invites us to join him in liberating and healing in the face of that fox wherever he is. And at last, part of our walk of Lent is remembering Jesus' desire for us. Hearing his laments and recognizing his invitation Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how long have I desired to gather you under my wings as a hen? Thus are chicks, and you would not. He longs to gather his children. And again and again, they choose the deathly ways of the herds of this world. And yet, even as he laments, he continues moving toward the cross. He continues his journey toward Jerusalem. He marches to the cross out of this profound love even in the face of rejection. He accepts his vulnerability because that is what you do when you love. Jesus will gather his chicks under his wings. He will gather his children. What happens when the hen spreads her wings over her young ones and the fox arrives? Many times the hen gives up her life i think jesus's metaphor in some sense is no metaphor at all it is what he will do on the cross he will spread his arms wide he will give himself up to the herod of this world in an act of sheer undeserved love and grace his longing and his desire will not be in vain even as he laments he moves toward the cross And we are his body. We are his body. One of our confessions says that the church is to undertake the mission of Christ even at the risk of losing its life, trusting in God alone. In other words, we as a body are called to go to those places and among those people where the fox is on the prowl. And take the risk of love with courage, wholeheartedly. Believing that we are worthy because we are. We've been made worthy by Christ. Theologian Miroslav Volf says that the posture of the Christian will be threefold in the world. First, he says Christians should work, should vigorously work. For limited possible change. Christians should vigorously work for limited possible change. We lift our voices and call out the fox, within and without, telling the truth. We read and are attuned to the things going on in our communities. We join our hands with others who are working to repair what is broken build what has been torn down, reaching across dividing lines, we vigorously work for limited possible change. He says the second posture that we have to take as a church is the posture of mourning lament. He says we should mourn persistent and seemingly intractable or ineradicable evils. And faced with horrors like the one that unfolded in New Zealand, let us mourn with our sisters and brothers in that place. Let us mourn a culture that gives rise to such hate. Let us mourn the part we play in it. Let us cry out to God. The church must never lose this language of lament. Where we join our voices with Jesus over this hurting world. How long, he says, how long have I desired to gather you under my wings like a mother hen, and you would not? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to you. Let us mourn the ways that we still will not. gather under jesus's grace-filled wings because such mourning is often the seed for change and finally wolf says the third posture for the church is to celebrate the good wherever it happens to celebrate the good wherever it happens and it is happening we do not give in to hopelessness and cynicism. God is at work in the world. How could any of us have heard the voices of our youth last Sunday and not recognize the good happening with them, the ways they are responding to God's grace and leading us as the church of today as well as tomorrow? We celebrate the good when we walk as a congregation into Lent, fasting, and disciplines with depth. And in community, knowing that God is forming us more and more into the likeness of Christ. We celebrate the good when we walk outside these doors into our community, whether it is the community next door or around the world, bearing love and not hate, unity, not division, life, not death. Let us not lose our ability to celebrate the good wherever it happens. Right after the horrific news last week came out, I emailed one of the people we worked with, if you remember from the Islamic Center in Murfreesboro a few years ago on the Habitat for Humanity project. I wanted him to know of my prayers and the prayers of this community of faith for his community. He wrote back that one of the things that sustains the Muslim community in Middle Tennessee is the knowledge that there are far more, far more Christians and Jews who love them and are committed to unity and peacemaking than there are otherwise. And he said, your church is among those, and we are grateful. And so it is that this one event, like so many before it, Has given space to the Lenten call, to name out loud the fox, to work for the good in spite of the fox, to lament and mourn the evil that still holds, and to celebrate the good wherever it is found. May we make room for all of these postures as we continue our journey toward the cross. Because even now, Jesus' desire for us, Jesus' desire is for us. He seeks us out and this weary world under his wings. May we not be resistant to his desire. May it be so. Amen.